Welcome to the Mindfulness of Singing, and I'm Denise, your sassy, spunky scientist. And I'm Tony, your bubbly, big-hearted flower child. Our podcast features practical tips and tools for a journey of transformation using the healing power of your voice. Each podcast, we will delve into the mind, body, and spirit connection by interviewing inspirational guests, sharing personal stories, and discussing the most recent scientific research. Tune in and join our community of mindful singers. Hey. Hey, Tony. Good morning, Denise. How are you? I'm pretty good this morning. How about you? I am great, and I have some exciting news to share. Really? Um, um, you know a little bit about it, but I want to go ahead and throw myself under the bus in the most positive way possible to put it out to our community that I want to share this news with them and hold myself accountable because I have something that I think could benefit our listeners because drum roll Tony is going to camp that's right this summer in July I am so excited that I get to spend a week with Jamie wheel for those of you that don't know who that is he is the author of a Pulitzer Prize winning book, and the title is, it's a long fire, how Silicon Valley, Navy SEALs, and Maverick scientists are revolutionizing the way we live and work. That's just one of his many books. You may know he's associated a lot with Stephen Kotler on peak performance, and the camp is for about 50 or 60 CEOs, uh, doctors, athletes, anyone who's in the space of wanting to increase peak performance and leadership training. And the way they do it at camp in Colorado in the beautiful mountains is to increase play. So you know that resonates with me because I know that every time I've ever been in a peak state, it's through a sense of play and getting out of my way. So I wanna learn more about that process. It's something I've been interested in for a long time. And when I saw it came up, that interviews were open to see if you were a match for the program, I signed up immediately as my first foray out of COVID into something that's an adventure and I can't wait and I can't wait to share it with everyone else. I hope that even though we're going to be in Colorado that I'll have decent enough Wi-Fi. It's a nice resort. I assume that they may so I can take some pictures because it looks pretty funky some of the things that they do for play. So well I'm excited to hear about it and I'm also excited you're going and not me. <laughs> ah, does that not sound like fun to you Denise? You know you use the word camp no well camp is it's a resort it's a beautiful i'm going to be in a cabin by myself uh, oh okay 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 all right it's beautiful it's not, not going back to camp denise did church camp for okay no no no. this is not bunk beds in the cabin with 50 people that's that's a different kind of camp this is i used camp loosely just for fun to say oh an adult so it's not their camp. word you use the word uh that was tony's word it's flow genome actually okay so it's a retreat at a resort in colorado with top ceos and the food's going to be fabulous. Everything will be fabulous. Tony is not uh, uh, slumming it. Oh, no, 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 no. It, in the mornings, we're See, going and to And that's have... how that comes off when you use the word camp. Okay. See, camp is <laughs> me didn't have a negative vibe, but oh, I can Did understand. you go to church camp when you were little? I did, but I didn't associate it with church camp. And maybe it's because last summer, 
in in June, I also had the chance to do yoga training, and it was an outdoor. Um, I don't know that they circle yoga shala, a yoga school, but I didn't think of that as negative. Well, okay, then you obviously did not have the same opera camp experience that I did, even though we were roommates. I was just gonna say. Now, see, we went to opera camp together. Well, now that's a whole nother series of podcasts, isn't it? But we won't delve into all yes. of that today. And so, if you think of opera camp. And that, and you use the word camp, does that sound fun? <laughs> uh, no, that sounds a little more rustic. Scorpions, spiders, snakes. No, 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 I'm sure there will be plenty of nature, but uh, it's not going to bother me for all the good things that we're going to learn and do. It's not going to happen at all if you're in a resort. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. Drumming, I can't wait to hear all about it. Drumming and singing and yoga and movement and partner yoga and complex things in this big geodesic, geodesic dome where you move and huge swings. I, I, I bring it on, baby. So uh, I hope I everyone will gain something as well from it. So in fact, I learned a lot just in my interview process about flow states when we were talking and she was quite interested in the mindfulness of singing. So some cool stories and connections there. Maybe we'll have to have Jamie Wheel on our podcast. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'll mm -hmm. just plant that seed now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, yeah, flow state. Explain what flow state is for people who wouldn't know or don't know. Well, if you're a singer, you it's probably what got you addicted to singing in the first place. It's that sense of when you come off the stage that you were in another place, another world, and it wouldn't have mattered if it, you didn't know if anybody was there. You just kind of... Uh, but it, flow states don't just happen for singers or athletes. Oh. They, they happen for anybody, can happen for anybody. And the cool thing about flow states is the, the energy and the chemical change in your body, what will happen lasts for hours on the actual activity that got you in a state of flow. And also that what's really cool about this um, flow genome project, we won't use the word camp, flow genome project, is that his philosophy is he doesn't want to just get us blissed out for not that there's anything wrong with that i love kundalini yoga and a bliss state and I, i'm all about satnam fest and that kind of stuff too but well, well, oh, okay well now you're gonna to have to define all that for our listeners too. okay I'll, I'll go back to that but his philosophy is we want to shake you what people who are awake to moving forward in their own lives and being leaders so that you can change the world, not just to change yourself, to enjoy all the beauty of being in a peak state, but to share that, which is why I lovingly said, throw myself under the bus, because I know about myself that I'm, if I put it out there that I'm going to do something, it holds me a bit more accountable to doing it. And as amazing as this may sound, even though I'm rather outgoing, I can be shy about things too, as Denise well knows, and a little bit. Sure hesitant to share, even though I come across as a rather bold or, you know, out there person, but I have my moments of insecurity too. And so I want to stay, I don't want to keep all this treasure that I learned for myself. I want to share it. So Kundalini yoga is a type of yoga that uses chanting and breath work. And to me, and, and I hope there are no yogas listening, yogis listening that are going to be offended by this. For me personally, there everybody is different. For me, it's one of the most spiritual, holistic practices for me personally. 
There's uh, the first time I went to a Kundalini yoga class at the end when we were in Shavasana, I, what was that, you know? And uh, some people are, it has a negative connotation and uh, people think- really? what, what, What's that? What's the um, negative connotation? Because people say you're moving this, Kundalini is that the serpent, like on the medical sign, you know, the energy of the body rising up and that if you um, are not careful, you're gonna get in this, what's a good word, wigged out state. I can't think of anything else, a place that it's too much. It's going to be too much. You can't handle it. You know, people are afraid of it. Some people are say it's demonic. There are different schools of thought, but I've been around it. I yoga people say it's demonic. No, no, no. Outside of the. Okay. Well, there you go. From love, but enough about that. Let's talk about our guest today. Her name is Shana Falihi. She has the website Embodied Singer, and her philosophy is to teach a holistic singing technique based on movement, mindfulness, and innovative pedagogy, which reveals and supports authentic vocal artistry. She has her 500-hour yoga teacher training certification, so believes and promotes equanimity and that there should be equal respect for, for all of our vocal expressions. That also comes from a, a yoga philosophy of not good, bad, right, wrong, but it is what it is. And that out of those things that are perceived as not so good, we can learn so much more about our voice and about ourselves. So I like her philosophy on that. She has a very large, extensive online free library. If you'd like to check out movement and breath and singing techniques, I haven't had a chance to, I mean, she has an extensive library of things available and um, I'm looking forward to meeting with her and chatting. Yeah, me too. And I'm going to be. Good morning, Shauna. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I like your keep calm and keep calm and sing legato sign. That's Thank awesome. You. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one awesome. Of my favorite student gifts ever. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. I think we got you up really early. Are you an early bird? I think you uh, you're on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I would I would be awake at this time, even on a Saturday. Yeah. Good. Good. But I definitely set an alarm just in case. I haven't had to set an alarm in quite a while, but yeah. Well, right. we are honored that you set an alarm for us because it's <laughs> on a Saturday. It's my pleasure. Totally. It's going to be an alarming, wonderful session. We've already talked about all the cool things about you and I'm going to jump right in and ask about myofacial release, because I know that's something that's important to you. So can you tell us first of all, what it is, why it's important to you and maybe give an, uh, an example, a, a visual example of what you, what do you want? Yeah. To Denise, where are you going to be? on Tuesday, June 15th at seven o'clock. Tuesday, June 15th at seven o'clock. Tuesday, June 15th from seven o'clock Eastern time. Eastern daylight time, very important. Welcome Eastern standard daylight time. Yes. June. I don't know, I'm trying to, oh, I know where I'm gonna be. I'm going to be with you there and we're you going go. to be doing a play shop that's right it's time to play and we want you all to come and join us so it's even more fun this is a chance to uh, explore singing and meditation and good good vibrations and it's get we guarantee fun so come and play and join us when are you going to be there denise june the 15th 
at seven o'clock and that's a Tuesday and I will have gotten off work if I'm working and I will have fed my family or eaten my dinner or whatever. And then I'll be ready to do something for myself because self-care is important. Yes, indeed. Yes, this is great self-care. Self-care for your body, your mind, your spirit, and inspiration for singing. So we can't wait for you to join us. And I bet they're wondering, how do they join us, Denise? What do they need to do? They need to go to the mindfulnessofsinging.com and register. Register right on the website. So let's get back to the podcast. We can't wait to see you all on Tuesday, June 15th, seven o'clock. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there too. And fascial release is basically self-massage. It can actually can be done by other people. If you go get a massage, you're getting myofascial release. Um, But the type that I do and incorporate into my voice teaching um, is self-massage with like soft, grippy therapy balls. But people are often familiar with myofascial release if they've ever foam rolled. That's like what is more in kind of kind of common knowledge, um, but it can be very uncomfortable. So many people might hear myofascial release and go like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but this is much more gentle. So fascia is the basically the connective tissue that envelops all of your muscle fibers, all of your organs, your bones. It's like the scaffolding that holds the body together. It transfers energy, it transfers force. So when we feel our body and when we feel the movements of our body, we're really actually feeling our fascia more than we're feeling actual muscle fibers. So for me, uh, just in my body, and then also noticing the way that it influenced my singing, myofascial release stimulation can help you to attune areas of the body that you might not feel very easily. So like areas of your back or, you know, all kinds of different kind of dull spots that we might have in the body. Um, When we stimulate them, it increases our awareness but it also increases what's called slide and glide, which is the ability of the muscle fibers to move. So if we're looking for not only more sensitivity and awareness, but also greater mobility and coordination, myofascial release can be in a fantastic way to kind of get into that. Um, and it also can downregulate the nervous system. So for anybody, but especially for singers, often our relationship with our upregulated, our kind of um, energetic energy versus the calmer, more receptive state of the nervous system can be a challenge. So the myofascial release also relates to kind of that aspect of the way we feel and operate in our bodies. So it's like fascia and myofascial release one-on-one and we can unpack it more as we talk more about how it applies to singing. Um, But a visual example. So here's a visual example. I'll use this. So this is a gorgeous ball. This is a tacky inflatable ball created by Yoga Tune-Up or Jill Miller, who is someone who has trained me. This I love for areas that need gentler touch in the body. So we wouldn't use like a firm tool Generally, I think less is more with myofascial release and softer is more effective because we're less likely to brace against it. We're more likely to kind of yield and invite that touch in. So for areas that need particularly soft touch, like the chest, the abdomen, um, the neck, I don't do anything directly on the throat. I do some handheld stuff, but not with tools. Um, I use this gorgeous ball, which is great. So with your myofascial tools, you want something that has a slightly grippy texture because we have a layer of fascia under the skin that we can stimulate that can provide more sensitivity and mobility. Um, And we also, 
want something that is like pliable that will sort of conform and move with the body. So a way that I might use this is off to this on the neck, way off to the side of the trachea, off to the side of the larynx, and just doing just a little kind of swirly movement, getting a little tug on the skin. And here by doing this touch, this sort of very, very gentle stretching, you can already hear the way that I am speaking kind of changes. My energy slows down a little bit as I start to feel this kind of softer, slower touch. But then all the strap musculature of the neck, all of the laryngeal elevators and depressors, all of that have been stimulated and might have just a little bit more sensitivity and mobility as a result of that kind of touch. So that was a little kind of teeny show and tell. But then I wonder what questions arise as I give that very, very, very basic primer. Um, do your right. students, most of your students have that and bring that to the lesson? Is that a, a big part of your teaching or? It's a good question. I mean, it has, I've definitely incorporated it more and more. And over the last several years that I have been incorporating this into my voice teaching, I've kind of dealt with it different ways. I, when I meet a new student, now a lot of the students who come to me come to me because they know about this work and they're interested in working with somebody who has this background, who can incorporate movement practices, myofascial release, um, meditation, things like that. So they might already have that interest or they come to a workshop or see, you know, stuff on Instagram or whatever, and then come in that way. But if it's, um, you know, our kind of typical inquiry who comes because they are just interested in studying singing, I, in my, my first kind of conversations with them, will talk a little bit about the other tools that I have in my toolbox and ask them if they have any interest in that. If they do, then I might recommend that they get either a pair of like grippy therapy balls, which are pretty inexpensive or the gorgeous ball, uh, or we might work with things that they have around the house or work with our hands. Um, but then there are some, there are some singers I work with who we don't really do any of that stuff, but not many at this point. At this point, pretty much everybody wants to incorporate that in a little bit. When did that become such the thing? I know I said, I heard the moment you said, Fasha, I said facial shows my, oh, um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done that, but I, I am aware <laughs> of the difference, but um, I, we used um, foam rollers, of course, in CrossFit years ago when they did that. Oh, yeah, sure. All the rage now. Can yeah. you pinpoint what the turning point or why that's become such the thing? Is there anything that you can? Like when myofascial release became kind of more incorporated. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, for athletes, massage therapy has always, I'm not always, but I think for a very long time, been a big part of not only their recovery, but also their prehab. Because we think about, like, I imagine that in CrossFit, if you're using, well, did you use your foam roller before or after or both? Mainly before. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah, because a lot of people, yeah. And even taking off uh, a shoe before we started and doing the tennis ball or a lacrosse ball and doing that. Yeah. And I've done that before for talking about the domes in the body and alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, go ahead. Now, I remember being in a class in uh, Austria. I was singing in Austria and I ended up um, going to a class by a dancer who was going to do myofascial release for dancers and artists and whatever. And I was curious. So I went and sat in on the class and, you know, that's, that's been a, a bit, I mean, like nine, 10 years ago, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, she was talking about how it was really important for dancers and people in move that do movement and all of that. And I found it fascinating. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other benefits of myofascial release is it can, because it increases sensitivity and awareness, it can increase our proprioception, our sense of where our body is in space. It also increases interoception, our sense of what's going on inside the body, which as musicians, singers, we might um, also think about in terms of body mapping, which kind of that terminology comes more out of Alexander technique. But our ability, because we play this instrument that we largely cannot see, right? So anything that we can do to kind of turn on that x-ray vision, that interoception can really help us with awareness, with coordination, being able to make choices about the way we use our body to make particular sounds. So that's one of, I'll just side note about why that probably was important to this person about for artists, for dancers, for musicians. Um, to the earlier point about when it kind of started to become more popular, I think it's been, you know, it's been in the movement realm for a long time. I love that you said that you did your foam rolling before, because a lot of times, like if you're, if you foam roll and you're a runner or a cyclist, you mostly think of it as like a rehab or a post-exercise activity. And people think they're like lengthening their muscles. It doesn't really work like that. Um, but I actually really love it before movement practices because of the way that it enlivens the sensitivity. It makes you more aware of what you're feeling, what you're firing in your muscles. Um, so I think it's fantastic before and also it's great and soothing afterwards. And so there are a lot of different applications. It's also but, like, you know, I took a, I, um, I, not a lot of, you know, voice teachers are doing myofascial release in their voice lessons, I don't think, at this point, though I hope that they will more and more, because it's a fantastic and very effective and efficient tool of getting us kind of more into our bodies. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like this whole world, your podcast is a testament, this world of bringing complementary modalities into voice teaching, whether it's movement practices, meditation, different contemplative or mindfulness practices, or just different ways to connect to this holistic instrument is, is the way that our pedagogy is just cracking open, which is a thrill, you know, to those of us who are like, yes, yes, these things work, they're easy, like they're, you know, inexpensive and they're empowering. I mean, you know, many of us have really challenging relationships with our bodies. And so when we can do some kind of thing, whether it's any kind of movement practice or just gentle self-touch in areas and ways that feel safe to us, which it doesn't always, you know, but if we can find ways to connect to our bodies, um, it just creates way more opportunity for authentic artistry because it is the body that is producing this amazing sound that we wanna create. Yeah, absolutely. It's also my understanding that uh, a muscle can have a hard time firing or moving if fascia around it is really tight and yeah. inflexible. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. instinct that we have like first thing in the morning to just like get up and like, you know, take a big old stretch or when you see like a cat wake up from a nap or a dog and they do a big old stretch, that's fascia. That's their fascia communicating to their brain that everything is just like a little bit constricted or a little bit sort of gummed up and we just wanna create that slide and glide and spaciousness. Yep, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So- Tony must have lots of other questions, so I'll let her okay. ask. I, I come from a yoga space too. We were yeah. chatting about that previously. Do you know Mark Moliterno by chance? I do, yeah. Did, did you study with him at all? Um, no, I, uh, sort of, we're, we're familiar with one another. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I've done his, uh, yoga voice yeah. certification and a regular 200 hour yoga training as well. So I appreciate all that you're doing and 
Wow, what a library of things that you have for people online to peruse oh, yeah. and see. So what else uh, is going on in the uh, embodied singer world? It's a good question. I mean, I think at least in my online offerings, people seem to be the most attracted to the myofascial release because I think it's the it, there's the least amount of that kind of information or it tying into singing. Um, but my background before the myofascial release came out of working with a yoga teacher who would incorporate that sometimes into her teaching and my own movement teaching and, and yoga study and all of that predated the myofascial release. Um, so I love to work in the movement modality and incorporate that in as well. Um, and with myofascial release, we <laughs> always will do some kind of either stretch or activation or exercise or something to accompany that because we want to wake up those tissues, but then we want to use them and feel them. So, you know, to your point about like getting muscles to fire, we might roll out the glutes and then do bridge or we might, you know, or, and then do like a figure four stretch just to activate the glutes and then stretch the glutes. So I'm always incorporating kind of all of the different modalities that I have been trained in and love um, kind of into the mix as well. So I would say it's in my actual work, it's a pretty even balance on the embodied side of movement and myofascial and meditative techniques, which I think are really, really important and some pranayama too. Um, but also, I, you know, I have a master's in vocal ped, and so my voice teaching is is standard voice teaching in many ways, but I just have this toolbox of resources that I can use in the moment or teach people to use on their own in their practice to enhance what they're doing. Wonderful. Uh, so I, I wonder when you, you keep talking about having, you know, when you do some myofascial release with people or you massage an area, it helps them be more aware of sensation. That's one of the things that I struggle with when I teach young college, you know, a freshman or a sophomore and sometimes even juniors and seniors. And you say, or what anyone, <laughs> everybody. Yeah. But when you say, you know, what does that feel like? And they're like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. You know, and, and I, I, you know, I wonder sometimes like, how do you not know how something feels in your body? But I just think sometimes really young singers are not attuned to that yet. They've not had enough life experience of, you know, some body pain, pregnancy, <laughs> oh. all the things that come with, you know, figuring out how your, what your body's like. And they haven't had that vast experience yet that an adult singer knows and can pinpoint a little better, I think. But so yeah. do you find that, that that doing the myofascial release with young singers helps them be able to talk about sensation and figure out sensation a little better? Can you talk about that? Some? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it will, touch touching an area will, is the easiest way to feel something, right? To give yourself that external stimulus to stimulate the skin, like that's gonna be the easiest way to feel the body. And yes, doing the myofascial release, especially, you know, for feeling the coordination of breathing. So if we do some kind of, you know, stuff for the chest, you know, getting into the intercostals and the serratus or working directly on the abdomen. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like they will breathe differently. They will feel it differently, but someone's comfort with describing what they feel in their body is another kind of component of that dynamic, 
right? And so they might have all kinds of feelings, but feel stuck in terms of how to verbalize them. Um, interoception, our ability to feel inside of our body, is a very different part of the brain than the frontal lobe that communicates through language and does all of our executive functioning. So feeling and describing feeling are two very, very different things. And so it's really common, especially for a young student who like maybe wants to say the right thing or, you know, or isn't sure how to describe like for them to just kind of get stuck. And that's a nervous system response. That's not necessarily a lack of intero or proprioception. It's not their inability to feel, it's their inability to describe it in the moment, you know? And so we wanna leave a lot of space for, for even just offering that feeling without even describing it has inherent value. And that our, as you're describing over time, it unfolds. You know, and if they want to ever describe to you like what that feels like or ask questions about that, then that's great. And if not, it can be just a felt sense and it doesn't have to be verbalized, you know, and then it requires patience on the other end of, you know, knowing that maybe once they feel some certain sensations, it might give them access to different coordination or technique, but knowing this is a long game, like, you yeah. know, being in your body is a long game. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It can absolutely kind of turn things on. So I would say if you have someone who is really communicative, but they're like, yeah, I don't, that's weird. I don't feel that. Like they usually feel other things, but they don't feel this. That's someone where the myofascial might just immediately give them an inroad. But if it's someone who's maybe not the most comfortable communicator already, or is figuring that out, then it might awaken those sensations in them, but they might not still know how to verbally process. And that's when it's okay to offer like some adjectives, some descriptors, if you feel like that would be useful. Typically, I believe in like student-led imagery, you know, we want them to generate the imagery, the imagery and the experience, and then we use their language rather than imposing our language on them. But I do think there are times where you might say, well, sometimes when people do this, maybe they feel a little bit more spacious or a little more buoyant or freedom, or sometimes we don't feel anything at all. Like, does any of that resonate for you? So you might offer a little bit based on what you know and based on your own experience doing the same exercise. Yeah, it's tricky though. I mean, we all remember what it's like to be that age and to be in the studio and, you know, if, and wanting to say the right thing, do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough to be 19 in the voice studio, I think. I went, to NEC, I went to NEC when I was 17. I had no relationship with my body at all. Choir was my sport. I didn't want to feel my body at all. I mean, that's been a total 180 for me. Um, yeah. So if, you know, my teacher had asked me about the nuance of what I felt between my ribs, I'd have nothing. And I would be flooded with anxiety of the question because of my relationship with my body. So we have to be you know, thoughtful and leave a lot of space and a lot of choice around any work, but especially anything related to the body. And the words we use when we're asking them to explore, I think, yeah. in fact, I would explore, explore. exactly. I, I love that word instead of try, because it implies that you might not, and which yeah. creates more anxiety. And you said equanimity for every sound. Yeah. Uh, 
can teach us something. I thought that was beautiful too. Totally. We want options, right? We want interpretive options. We want different colors as long as nothing hurts, you know, as things are feeling comfortable, even things that we might know are not as efficient or as functional still might have their place in some particular moment of magic in the music. You know, we might want a slightly aspirated tone or we might want a little more edge or something like that that wouldn't be our default setting, but we want access to it. And so in order for us to have that full palette of colors and options, you know, we have to explore and experiment and figure out what's available to us. And I think that movement practices, myofascial release, things like that, help us actually expand the palette of options of the way we are in our body, right? So we might want to like make a particular sound or we might know intellectually about some vocal coordination, but if we can't feel our body and if our body also has been in holding patterns that preclude the kind of movement that would allow for that coordination, then we might not always find all of those possibilities. So that's kind of always where I'm coming from with this is like what will bring us into balance with ourselves and what will give us more options in the way that we use our body and the way that shows up in the sound. Beautiful. Well, I think you've given our listeners a lot of good nuggets to chew on. Um, oh, I hope so. Anything else that you can think of, Denise? Well, I was just gonna say so how do you are you doing some teaching over zoom um yeah and, and are you do you have some sort of a program or anything like that that's coming up soon or over the summer that people might want to tune into yeah thanks i mean yes i so i have a private studio so i work with individuals and i work with individuals specifically on kind of the movement and myofascial stuff and on just voice stuff and all of them together. So whatever anybody is interested in. Um, and then I always have different workshops. I Right now I have some weekly classes going, but I will have another workshop series in the summer. And this summer series is gonna be basically like embodied in the practice room. So going back and forth between doing um, certain practices and then actually singing so that people can get the feel of like what what things seem to awaken different qualities in their voice, what it feels like, um, so that they have little preset sequences that they could incorporate into their practice. So I'm gonna do two on myofascial release. One is gonna be focused on energizing in the body, energy and stability, and the other one's gonna be focused on spaciousness, buoyancy. So that'll, the latter will be more breath, the former will be more kind of engagement and big air quotes, support, whatever that means to anybody. <laughs> that's a can yeah, of that's And then the third one will be um, pranayama in the practice room. So some pranayama techniques that I find to be particularly helpful when adapted for singers, because the way that we do many pranayama or breath exercises from yoga, the way we might do them in yoga is not necessarily helpful or conducive to free and easy singing. So a lot of the um, pranayama exercises that I love for singers, I've adapted to make them a little bit more voice friendly. Um, but yeah, so there'll be, uh, that will be announced those dates pretty soon, but they're gonna be, I think, it was like July 11, 17, August 1, maybe something like that, a little further down in the summer. Um, yeah. And then the one of the weekly classes I'm currently teaching, that schedule is going to change, but one that is going to stay on the schedule is a Monday night roll and restore. And that doesn't have any singing in it, but it's myofascial release, very gentle movement, breath. And then if there's a bonus fifth Monday in the month, we'll do restorative yoga and probably yoga nidra, which are some practices that I love to teach and don't get to teach very often. Um, yeah, but all the easiest way to find me is either my website or Instagram. 
and I'm on, and right now I'm in the middle of myofascial May. So lots of myofascial stuff right now on my Instagram. And as you alluded to, <laughs> my um, COVID coping mechanism in the first few weeks of shelter in place was to make over a hundred videos. And I just, I, I something turned in my brain that was like, make all the content. <laughs> and that was like my anxiety coming through. So I don't think I seem anxious in those videos, but clearly my, I became the energizer bunny. And that's like how I coped with those first 10 yeah. days or so. Yeah. So there's a lot of video content on there and it's all organized on my website, but there's myofascial practices, movement practices. There's voice stuff um, for people who want a little bit of voice stuff and um, all my favorite meditations and meditative practices. Yeah, so lots of resources. So embodiedsinger.com. Go check it out. What's and your what's the handle on on um Instagram? Embodied singer. Oh, okay. So not yeah. your name. I mean it's on Facebook too. I just funnel Instagram into Facebook because I don't want to be on Facebook. <laughs> yep. Okay. I look to see uh, you know if our mindfulness of singing Instagram is following you, and we are. Oh yay! Good. Awesome. You're good. I think I'm following you too. Yeah. Good. Yay. And if you'll follow other us on questions, YouTube, this feels like it was so quick. Well, no, you gave us a lot of good stuff. Um, and um, if you follow us on Facebook, we'll link when we shout out your podcast as well. Great, wonderful. And on Instagram, we do both of those things. And yeah. and as as usual, listeners and watchers, we'll put all the things in the notes so that you can click and find Shauna easily and the Embodied Singer with great ease. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank You're you welcome. very much. Have a beautiful Saturday. Thanks. You too. Thank you so much for listening. We are very grateful that you joined us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, write a review, share it with a friend.